Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse uh, 43 today. As you're turning to John chapter 4, I want to uh, remind you or make you aware if you don't, uh, if it's your first time with us, that we like to go through books of the Bible and we're going through the Gospel of John and we're trying to see Jesus for who He is and ultimately our hope is, our prayer is that as we work through this book that we are going to be more and more in awe of Jesus, in awe of the Son, the S-O-N. And as we are in more in awe of who Jesus is, we then worship Him and give Him the glory He deserves. So, we are working through John, like I said, and last week, just a way of reminder, we uh, went with the second half of Jesus' interaction with the woman uh, from Samaria, the woman at the well, and way of reminder there, Jesus meets this lady. He leaves Jerusalem. Instead of going to Galilee any other way, he takes the shortest route, but that also takes him through Samaria, these enemies of the Jews, and he has this divine appointment. He meets her at the well. She's looking for physical water, but yet something that would uh, quench her thirst forever as Jesus starts to explain it. She doesn't quite get it at first. There's things in the physical world that Jesus is talking about, but he's using it to teach her things in the spiritual world. Same thing with his disciples he does. Same uh, same thing he did with Nicodemus. And so Jesus teaches her who he is by things that he knows about her, and she seems to come to faith. She leaves her bucket or whatever that she was drawing water with, runs back to town. Even this woman who's had all this shame and such, it seems, goes and tells everybody about Jesus. And the people come to give him a listen. And it says because of her testimony, they believe. Now, was it true faith? It doesn't seem like it was all the way true faith yet. Because what happens is after they ask him to stay for a couple days, he stays. And then it says, they they said to him, now we believe in Jesus, not because of what you've said, but because of what we heard for ourselves. And so that was part of our exhortation last week was, if you're going to believe in Jesus, make sure that you believe in Jesus because you have read the Scriptures, you have listened to the Gospel message, and you say, yes, following Jesus is worth it. Not because your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your Sunday school teacher, your kids, not because you were baptized when you were eight, when you were eight years old, but no, you truly follow Jesus because you have listened to who he is, and you have said, yes, I want to follow him. So that's where we pick up today in chapter 4, starting in verse 43. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. This was the two days he was in Samaria. Verse 44, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Verse 45, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, uh, welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. I'm going to stop here for a second, because this is an interesting phrase, this verse 44, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So Jesus leaves Samaria, not his hometown, to go to Galilee, where Nazareth is, which was his hometown. Well, that doesn't make sense then. If a prophet's not accepted there, Jesus, why are you going there? Now, some commentators will try to say, well, when he's talking about his hometown, he actually meant Jerusalem. Bethlehem, perhaps, or, or even heaven. Maybe that's, it was something different that was being referred to as his hometown. That's why, why it says that. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case. Anytime this is used in the New Testament uh, concerning Jesus, it's talking about Nazareth of Galilee. So, even though this is a negative thing that seems to happen for prophets who cannot go into their own hometown because they're not accepted there, Jesus is saying, I'm going to Galilee. 
And John puts in there because Jesus has said that a prophet not, is not shown honor in his hometown. Why is this in there? Well, first, what is it exactly saying? First, I think is what it's saying is kind of the example of maybe wherever you grew up, so those of you here, Cedar Key, if you were born here, raised here, you grew up here, so you got married here, and then you went off maybe for a couple of years, came back, and now you want to be a pastor. And you come around, you go around town, you say, hey, I'm, I'm starting a new church, or I'm a new pastor up at the church. And here's what people would say, most of them. You? Ha <laughs> ha! You're going to be the pastor? Oh, I know you. I watched you grow up. I grew up with you. We did this wrong. I've seen you do that wrong. Okay? A lot of times, when this phrase is being said, a lot of it can have to do with the fact that perhaps someone has done things wrong in the past and so they're not accepted where they're from because people can't get past that. Because again, most people don't understand the, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit and how He changes and makes us a new creation. But that can't be the case with Jesus because He's never done anything wrong. So it's not like Jesus was running around causing all this trouble and now uh, that He's older, He's, he's going to come and do this work and now all of a sudden people are going to reject him. It's not because he did things wrong, although they may have interpreted things wrong, but Jesus has never done anything wrong. Okay? He's perfect. And so, what it could also be is you become normal. We've seen another place where it talks about Jesus and, hey, isn't this Joseph's son? Like, don't we know this guy? We've seen him around. He can't possibly be the Messiah. So sometimes it seems that there's things that they've done wrong or people have done wrong and so thus you're not accepted because everyone knows you. But also, everyone knows you in the sense of that you're normal to them. There's nothing unique about you. There's no way you could be this special person. So that I think that's what is being said about prophets in general and then of Jesus specifically. But again, why is he then going to Galilee if a prophet doesn't have honor in his hometown? I think that he's talking about Galilee, but he's still going. Why? I think it's going to, uh, John's going to unpack it for us here in the text. But it also is in line with what he's been showing us thus far. That there are those who believe in Jesus, and then there are those who believe in Jesus. There's those that he will commit himself to, and those that he won't. Even if they say, oh, I believe in you, Jesus. The problem is there's not true belief. And he's been showing us that. Nicodemus even believes in Jesus to a degree and goes to him. But he doesn't really get it. There are those in Jerusalem who believed in Jesus, but they didn't really get it. I think that's what's happening here. I think it's precisely because Jesus is not accepted in Galilee, because he is rejected, that he's going there. Because, again, that shows us the idea of that he came into this world, but the world rejected him. He went to his own and his own rejected him, as we saw earlier in John. And so, Jesus is not necessarily focused on the response in the sense of, I'm only going to go if they say yes. The other thing is, he's not running from Jerusalem. It's not like, oh, well, they're not going to show me honor here, so I'm going to go somewhere else where they're going to show me honor. That's why I don't think that the idea of his hometown is Bethlehem or Jerusalem. He didn't get it there. I don't think that's what it's saying. I think what's happening is Jesus is going in spite of the fact that he's not going to get honor. And in fact... What happens is there are still those who believe in him, as we'll see today in other places, even if the majority don't. 
Does it make sense? You tracking with me? Okay. So, verse 45, so when he came to Galilee, so he gets to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. So, well, pastor, look, they welcomed him. That doesn't mean they believed in him. Why? Look what it says. Why did they welcome him? Having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. Why do they welcome Jesus? Because he flipped tables, he cleansed the temple, he did other signs, and that's why they're welcoming him. I thought miracles can be a good thing. They can point to who Jesus is. They can. And sometimes true belief comes from that, but that's not been the case much in this gospel, and that's not the case today. Let's see, as we go down, Jesus actually speaks to this. This is why I think this is the right interpretation. Let's go to 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee. Cana in Galilee, ring a bell. What did Jesus do in Cana? Good, turn the water into wine. Look, that's what the verse says. You guys cheated. Now, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. Okay? Now, he went down there before, too. We saw that he visited down in Capernaum. So, he's in Cana, back where he did the miracle with the water and wine, and we're being told by John that there's an official whose son is ill. Verse 47, When this man, this official, I'll get to that in just a second, when this man, this official, heard that Jesus had come from Judea, to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Who is this official? What is going on with this official? This official, this word here, seems to be that he is linked to the government somehow. Okay? There's debate on whether he's a Gentile or he's a, a Jew who's kind of blended into the Gentile, the Roman government somehow he's linked Somehow he has connections and he's working there. So is he a, a, a Jew among Jews type thing? Probably not. Okay, He's either Gentile or he's pretty far away from the Jewish people. So what's interesting is back in uh, Jerusalem, you saw the Jewish people who were there for the feast. Saw some believe, but really not a lot there. Then we see Samaria, kind of the half-Jews. Well, we see a bunch of people believe there. And now we're back in Jesus' hometown, his home country, and we're seeing this guy who's either a Gentile or at least linked closely with the Gentiles coming to Jesus. This, again, reminds us that what was said earlier in Samaria, that he is the Savior of the whole world, also back in John 3.16. He's the Savior of all. Showing us. Jews, half-Jews, Gentiles, those associated with Gentiles, doesn't matter. He's the Savior of the world. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. So this official... His son was ill. So he'd heard that Jesus had come, and he asked him to come down. Come down, what he means is, again, where, that, where he was located is kind of closer to the water. So he's actually elevation-wise coming down to where he's at, just kind of like Jerusalem elevated. Go up, you go up to worship, go up to Jerusalem, go down here. Okay? And heal his son, for he's at the point of death. Do you think this man's desperate? Yeah. Yeah, he's desperate. You ever had a child that sick? Some of you I know have lost children. You ever been in need of a miracle? You get desperate. 
I think that's where this guy's at. I remember that we were living in Mali and Leanna came down with typhoid and it was bad. And I remember just praying, asking God for a miracle. This man is desperate. Now Jesus had been to his town before. We know that from earlier in John. Apparently it didn't make a difference to him at the time. But now that word's gotten out of all that Jesus can do and has done, he's asking Jesus to come and help him. Let's see what happens. Jesus responds, you know, Jesus so kind, so tender-hearted, of course he's going to say, sure, buddy, I'll come with you down right where you are and do exactly what you want me to do and I'll heal your child right now. Because Jesus is loving. Is Jesus loving? Absolutely. But again, Jesus does the will of his Father. The question is, is healing this child in accordance with the will of God? We'll find out. Let's see. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. What's interesting here is Jesus said to him, says to the guy, but then when he says this phrase, you is like y'all. He's like getting plural with it there. So he's talking to the guy, but he's talking to everyone around, including those Galileans who have just welcomed him. What does he say? Unless you all see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's why I think Jesus, when we go back up and we're talking about why is he going to Galilee, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. But then it says that the Galileans welcomed him because they'd gone to the feast. Remember, they believed because of what they saw at the feast. Jesus is pointing that out to them. He's pointing out to this guy and he's pointing out to them. Question, folks. Are you like these people? Are you someone that when you're desperate, you'll come to Jesus? Are you someone that has to see the signs, the miracles, the wonder, and then you'll believe? Not that those signs can't be a pointer to show you how incredible Jesus is, but that's the only reason you believe. What can you do for me, my Jesus in a bottle? He's not a genie in a bottle, folks. Beloved, listen to me. You don't become a Christian so you can get stuff from God. You don't become a Christian so you can be saved from hell. You become a follower of Jesus because God, the one who created you, is calling you into relationship with Him. And Jesus is the way for that relationship to happen. Okay? Let me see if I can help you with this. Any of you know anyone in your families, a lot of times children can be this way too, especially if they're a little bit older, who come to you, maybe a friends or family, who come to you when they need something. And that's the only time they come. Yeah, that's right. Right? Oh, hey, oh, haven't heard from you a while. How are things going? Yeah, they're going great. Great. Yeah, I just wanted to see how you're doing. Great. Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. Hey, by the way, 
Uh, do you still have that lawnmower? I need, uh, can I borrow that from you? Right? Well, I haven't heard from you at all, but need that lawnmower. Can I borrow your car? Can I get a ride? Do you have a pickup truck? Could you help me move? Sure. You wouldn't want to like just catch up first and you hear how I'm doing, right? It's the same with God. Not that God's up there going, oh, you don't want to hear how I'm doing, but he's saying, ultimately, are we just trying to use God to get what we want? Do we use people to get what we want? Or do we care about the relationships? Do we care about our relationship with God? That's what God desires. That's what Jesus is after. Followers of Him who love Him for how great He is, how wonderful He is, and yes, all the benefits are incredible. But the benefits are not the reason that we follow. Amen? If you can't say amen, say ouch, like many pastors have said. Let's continue. It's interesting, this, Jesus says this kind of hard rebuke to this guy. Look what he responds back. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. You see? Jesus gives the rebuke. I, I picture the official saying, I've got nowhere else to go. I'm so desperate. You're the only one. Beloved, it is important for us to sometimes get to a point where we realize that Jesus is the only one. Many times we try to put others in the place of Jesus. We need to be careful and realize that He is truly the only one who gives life. This man is desperate, and it seems like even though Jesus rebukes, he's saying, no, 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 no. I need you to bail me out here, Jesus. Whatever it is about this plea, here comes the kindness of Jesus. He doesn't owe this guy anything. But Jesus is so kind. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Can you imagine those words? I've got to be honest, though. If I heard those words, I don't know if I would have responded exactly the same way this guy did. I kind of envy him in this because when Jesus says it like this, what does the text say? The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went on his way. I'd have been like, yeah, great, Jesus. Can you come with me, please? I need you to come with my child. Because that's originally what the request was, right? Again, Jesus will answer our requests, but sometimes it's not in the way we think. A lot, and every time it's better than we think. Even if we don't understand it. Even if it doesn't make sense. When Jesus said, go, your son will live, the man believed. That's incredible. He believed the word that Jesus spoke. Do you believe the words that Jesus speaks? Do you believe the word of God in such a way that you will take it at face value like this man is doing? We can test that. 
Jesus says, don't worry, we worry. Don't gossip, we gossip. Don't lust after others. Don't commit adultery. Don't commit fornication. We do it. Don't be harsh with one another. Don't devour. Don't bite. Don't lie. We do them all. Jesus continually says, I've got a better way for you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to do that. We can listen to what he has to say. We can follow it. We have to unite what he's saying with faith. We need to pray for faith and we need to put our faith in Christ and his words like this man does here. He believed the word that Jesus spoke and he went on his way. Verse 51, As he was going down, his servants met him and told him his son was recovering. That's awesome. What a mercy. Verse 52, So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, probably 1 p.m., the fever left him. Why does he even care to ask? Wouldn't he, if he was just focused on the gift itself, the thing that he wanted, the thing that needed to be done, wouldn't he just have said, He's better? Awesome. Done. No, he asks when it happened. Why? Because he is now looking for information about the one who did the miracle, the one who gave the gift. He wants to grow in his belief in Jesus. He believes in Jesus and he's wanting to see that it's true. He wants more than just the gift. His son's healthy. He could stop there, but he doesn't. I want to know when it happened. Verse 53, the father knew that was the hour that Jesus had said to him, your son will live. Isn't that awesome? He knew the hour. Why? He marked it. I'm going to see. I'm going to believe in you, Jesus, and I'm going to see that it's confirmed. And then what happens? And he himself believed and all of his household. All of his household. That's when true belief took place for this guy? Not before, when he was just believing in Jesus that he could heal him. At this moment, now belief has happened, him and his household. Jesus is saying, there are those of you who only believe only if you see signs and things. This guy's like, no, I've got nowhere else to turn. I'm going to trust in you. And through that sign, he believed there's a difference. Those who want Jesus for what he can give them, what he can do for them, and those who want him because he's amazing. Which one are you? Verse 54, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. The first one, talking about the wedding, the water into wine. So what do we do with all this? Part of what we do is we do like Jesus did, and even though he knew there was going to be rejection, even though he knew he would not have honor, he still went. He still went. We go 
to the hard places, which means overseas, it means across the country, it means across the county, it means across the state, it means across town, it means across the street, to those who may not show us honor, who may not accept us, and we still tell them about Jesus and how great he is. Second, we make sure that in our hearts and our minds that we're not trying to just have Jesus in a bottle, but that we truly love him for who he is and not what he can give us. We have to be careful, brothers and sisters, that we can fall into this. Make sure that we have true belief for who he is. For those of you who are here and you do not know him, like this official has come to know him, then today is the day of salvation for you. Jesus is so merciful, he owed this man nothing. But yet he gave him everything by first healing his son, which would have felt like everything. But through that revealing who he truly is, the Savior of the world. I pray you'll see him this way. In a better way today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we do thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. I pray now for my friends here. I pray that if there are any here who do not know you, that they would come to know you. I pray they would understand the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross in our place for our sins as a sacrifice. And after three days, he rose, defeating sin, Satan, and death for our justification. I pray they would believe that. I pray we would all remember that. I pray there would be true belief on all of our parts. Help us to go where it's hard to share this message. Help us to be a people who believe without having to continually see miracles and signs and desiring miracles and signs to the degree that that's all we focus on. Help us to love you for who you are and reveal more and more of that to us. We thank you again for our time. In Jesus' name, amen.